Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. I first met Mark Gray at a Florida Georgia Line show in Texas somewhere and proceeded to share a bus, lots of stories, and most of all, lots of laughs for the next two years. In my almost 30 years in this business, I may have never met anyone so hungry for music business knowledge and music business experience, and he went after both with a big smile the whole time. We had the typical Zoom dropouts and his little boys dropped in, so it was a lot of fun, at least it was on my end. Here's my buddy, Mark Gray. Thinking and drinking, Mark Gray, what's happening, buddy? Not much, buddy. Just just sitting out here in the beautiful Gulf Coast weather and uh, finally got some nice days and f- it feels like fall, so we're, yeah. we're, we're enjoying it. It was 40 when I woke up this morning. Yeah, we were in the 50s this morning, so it's, uh, it, it's beautiful. That, I guess this is exactly why we moved down here. Ten months of, of nice weather for two months of pretty hot and disgusting humid weather yes and do- dodging hurricanes yeah we our our uh uh welcome stock the bar present was hurricane sally so <laughs> that doesn't seem very yeah, welcoming that's not the me. hurricane i would like <laughs> there was nothing fruity and juicy about that did sally come with a straw uh came with a pine tree in the backyard <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, that was <sighs> trying to clean all that stuff up. But yeah, we were we were actually very lucky. We uh, it missed our house by a couple inches and missed our bedroom by like three or four feet. So yeah. we got it really lucky. Um, but are you serious? A couple of inches? Yeah, it uh, it it nicked our gutter and kind of bent it. We woke up. Um, we couldn't obviously see anything outside because where we're at we never got the eye of the hurricane. We were all on the outer band of it. So um, it, it pounded us for a good 12 hours. And uh, when we woke up and when the, the, the day broke, we saw this tree laying against our, uh, our screened in porch. And it was, uh, yeah, just missed our house by inches. So, so yeah. Well, Well, good, 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 man. Well, that that's your your kiddos got to see uh, see what a hurricane looks like pretty pretty young in their lives. Uh, they saw what the aftermath was. They well, slept yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, hurricanes seem to sne- sneak up at night, don't they? Yeah, exactly. So they they don't remember it. They slept through it all. So <laughs> it was it was good. They they yeah. Uh, the funniest thing was watching them run around turning on the lights, yelling, there's no lights. <laughs> yeah, we have no power. That's right. Don't, don't open that refrigerator either. Yeah, uh, yeah. Keep the fridge open. <laughs> I want lemonade. <laughs> no, there's no lemonade. But uh, there was last night. Yes, yes exactly. Well, uh, uh, you were born in Concord, North Carolina. Home in NASCAR. Home in yes. NASCAR. Does anybody else in your family love music as much as you do? 
Um, yeah, so I grew up, uh, you know, going to church with my mom and Southern Baptist, like singing in choirs, you know, I grew up listening to all types of genres, um, from country to, to Motown, uh, and, you know, being from the Carolinas beach music, uh, you know, yeah. I remember one of my first concerts I ever went to, well, my first show was Randy Travis, my mom took me to when I was little. Um, but I remember going to see the Tams and the Embers and stuff like that. So wow. it, um, I remember all of those, you know, those memories of going to see beach music and listen to that and, you know, going to Myrtle Beach, um, you know, in the summer times and the Grand Strand and all that stuff. So uh, grew up on music. My dad played bass. My mom sang in the church choir. Um, and then I remember starting in, you know, middle school, singing in um, school choirs and all the way up through college. And, you know, just, I never knew that music was a, a could be a business. And yeah. A business venture. I'm with you, so man. That's, that was something that I kind of fell into. Uh, but yeah, so uh, like I said, I grew up, grew up around music and everybody, you know, in in my family either played an instrument or or sang so yeah that's great there's so so many people i talk to that they're the only one in their family that has any interest in music or you know especially they took it like as as far as you did yeah that's cool like i said it i i I never knew this industry this part of the industry existed yeah so all all that i ever knew was a cd or a, a tape and somebody on stage singing. I didn't know the ins and outs to to what it took to get from point A to point Z. Yeah. So. Yeah, you turned on the radio and there was music, and that's about all all we knew growing up. The music box. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you went to uh, Wingate University. Uh, hey, thank you for saying it right. Thank you for saying it right. Wingate University. Yes, that is correct. Is that in the Charlotte area there? Or where is that? It's um, actually right beside of the town from the home of Randy Travis. So it is, it is about 45 minutes east of Charlotte, um, and right outside of Monroe, North Carolina. Um, you know, I went there to, to play football um, and then just I got hurt and then kind of just got into the university scene and, um, like I said, the choir and, and all that stuff and – um, that kind of what propelled me to the music industry. Um, I had a meeting with, with my advisor one day and he was like, Hey, Mark, by the way, you need an internship to graduate. And I had won tickets to the radio stations, um, St. Jude concert. It was a St. Jude concert. I think Rascal Flatts played it or something like that. So this was back in 2000, 2003 or so. And I was just walking around the venue and saw this lady that had a station shirt on. and was like, Hey, I found out today that I needed a, an internship. Uh, (laughs) Do you know any, do you work with the station? Do you know anybody that, you know, uh, would need an intern and you know she was like yeah I, I'm actually looking for a summer intern call me on Monday and all this other stuff and you know I called Valerie on Monday and 
you know, the next thing I know, I'm interning at a radio station. Had no idea what it was. So, was that KKT? Yeah, that was a KKT in Charlotte. So, who were who was the MD and PD there at that time? That would have been John Roberts, okay, program director. Um, I don't remember if we had a music director. Um, and then um, Valerie Gladden, who oh, okay. I mean, she has been an integral part of my career since that day walking up to her at Coyote Joe's. Um, you know, she's, I, I owe everything, you know, to her. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So how did you go from uh, being an intern to uh, working in promotions and then eventually working with John Boy and Billy over there? So when I graduated, um, they had a position open up. Um, as the assistant for WRFX The Fox, which is um, the flagship station of John Boy and Billy. That's where they got their start. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Way back in the day, it used, they used to be the, the, the morning show. And right. they, they kind of like, um, you know, obviously syndicated to, I think whenever I was working with them to well over, or with The Fox and with them was like over 150 stations or something like that. They were, they were all across classic rock as well as country genres all through the Southeast and stuff. So um, that's kind of how I got that. And again, Valerie, she was a champion for me um, with, with the people that did the hiring and stuff and um, just, just kept on them and, you know, just made sure that I was always trying to work the remotes and be yeah. in the station just to be seen. So, and uh, luckily, you know, I got hired for the position and, and it was, uh, got my foot in the door of, of what started the crazy career. You have any funny John Boy and Billy stories? Um, None that I can, none that I can really remember, but I do like one of the, the funniest things was it was like clockwork every Monday morning, Bojangles biscuits would show up and you would see all the sales, you know, they were, they were there because all the salespeople would just file out of the uh, sales pit, like little, uh, yeah, it was just like straight to the, to the network, but Man, I, you know, one of the cool things about them is you got to see the different genres people. You know, that was one of the yeah. first places that Zach Brown came in and played live. I wow. mean, he came in and played before he was anything. And then, you know, I got to see Kenny Wayne Shepherd, who is a freaking phenomenal guitar player. Yeah. Those guys, um, Derek Trucks, like, yes, we got cool people whenever I was at, you know, the cat and all that stuff come in and play our green room. But the caliber of talent that they had come in with, you know, the, the classic rock setting was insane. Plus you so, probably got a couple of NASCAR drivers in there once in a while too, huh? Oh yeah. They, they came in there all the time. <laughs> yep. Do you guys have a deal where like the, the Sunday's winner would call in on Monday or anything like that? Like every week? Uh, I don't remember. That's... That's many years and beers ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I'm sure they did. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and say yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they did. Well, so how long did you stay there? So I was an assistant um, 
with the Fox for, I believe it was about three years. Okay. Uh, 2000, yeah, 2005 to two, two and a half, three years. Um, and then Valerie, she ended up leaving there to go work for MRN, uh, mm. the racing network. And so her position was open and, you know, they gave me the interim position and then basically said, prove yourself worthy to get this position. And, you know, my PD at the time, Bruce was, you know, he's still a mentor of mine and one of the PDs that I work with right now and um, believed in me and gave me the position. And, you know, I was there um, as a marketing director till 2010 when I moved to Nashville. That's kind of the reason that took me to Nashville is I always saw these people coming into the radio station, um, basically like playing music. They would always be with the artist and stuff like this. And, um, just, I saw their passion for music. I was like, what what is that? What do they do? And, you know, Bruce was like, they're, they're record reps. Their job is to get music played on the radio. And I was like, I think I want to do that. Cause I knew I love music. I, I, I love like the way that it's, you know, the way that it's consumed and the way that um, now that I know how it all comes together. Yeah. Um, you know, I knew that that was what my passion was. I wanted to go further in the music industry and, and, and work in different aspects of it. So sure. just because I love the, the, the finished product of it. So were you one of the guys that wanted to know what studio it was recorded in and who wrote the songs and who played guitar on it? Or did you just want to get the my, record? Mine was melodies. I love melodies and uh, I, I do appreciate and I do um, value the songwriters. Yeah. Probably more now after you were in Nashville for eight or 10 years. And you know, when I was, when I was in, when I was in Charlotte, at KKT, that's, you know, that's when a lot of the, the guys that are blow, that are huge right now, Luke, Eric Church, uh, you know, all those guys were, were coming up in the business. So it's kind of like yeah. we kind of came up together. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, that's to that before that point, I thought that every song that was on the radio was written by the guy that was singing it. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you just don't know. Um, you just don't know there's a whole, a whole nother <laughs> of the puzzle. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, it starts out your mentality is like, oh, this is a, a kid's puzzle that's, you know, 52 pieces. And, and then when you really <laughs> dig into it, you're putting together the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> so it's like there's so many different pieces of, of the puzzle that, again, makes three minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah, you know how the sausage is made now. There's a lot of ingredients (laughs) in sausage. Well, so why why did you come to Nashville in 2010? Uh, I knew that to get deeper into the music industry, I couldn't do it from Charlotte. Okay. And so why not go to the belly of the beast and just, you know, go there and... um, Were you trying to get into promotion? I, I was. That's what I, I yeah. initially wanted to get into was record promotion. Um, I did have the marketing background with, with the station. So I was like, it's kind of the same. I put together shows and, you know, all this other stuff. So, you know, why not? Yeah. And, you know, moving to Nashville without a job, like, you know, I, 
I got to work part-time with one of the stations there in, in Nashville, but um, I got a call from one of my old record reps that I worked with, uh, Trudy, who works with EMI. Um, she was like, hey, we have this new artist that's looking for a tour manager. Um, um, would you want me to send your information over to their manager? I was like, absolutely. I was like, cause I'm really yeah. not doing anything right now. And <laughs> As fate would have it, I happen to have some time. <laughs> I've got a little time. And so, you know, just got, got to talking with his management and, you know, ended up being on the road with Troy Olson for, for almost a year. Um, you know, about, about six, eight months. And, um, we traveled in a Winnebago for, I don't even know how many thousands of miles. It seemed like every other week we were going from Nashville to San Diego. Right. So, so it was, uh, it, it was a lot of miles traveled and, but you know, some of the, some of the best times, man, you know, Troy was great, great to work with. And then, you know, that's, I met Brad Tercy. He was out on the road with us and, you know, have, it's the friendships that you gain through, yeah. through something like that, that, that's really a testament of, of how this industry works. Well, and you, you watch each other and remember how each other handles a crappy situation or a good situation mm-hmm. when you got to be tour manager String changer and driver of the Winnebago when you're first manager, <laughs> production manager, gopher, All runner. Two hundred and fifty bucks a week. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so how did that segue into working at Republic Records? Um, whenever Troy was on a, a lull period uh, there, you know everybody goes on on kind of a, a hiatus in November December. Yeah. I had heard that um, Republic was looking for a new Southwest uh, regional and, uh, you know, just really put my mind to it and, um, you know, interviewed for that and uh, interviewed for it again and again. So I interviewed a couple times for it, but, you know, I, looking back on it, that interviewing process really helped me develop my mindset of, a promotions person because I, I come to realize it's not just, Hey, here's something, here's a record. Let's do it. It's here's a record. Here's promotion behind it. Here's, here's a lot more than just, here's a song. Will you play it? Plus, who are, who are you uh, interviewing with? Would that have been? Uh, I was interviewing with Jimmy Harden. Okay. Yep. So interviewing with him and, and, and Matt as well. Matt, too. Okay. Hardest. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, Scott Bush had a big, uh, big machine records. That's one of those labels under that umbrella. I mean, that whole building is just full of guys and gals that are so amazingly detail oriented and research oriented. And I mean, Scott's one of the guys that said, if you, if you need a new tool, we're going to get it for you. If you can get some Mm -hmm. records played for it. And so I'm sure that really opened your eyes too. that. I mean, going to other labels would have been a different, a different experience. Mm -hmm. It was. And you know, I learned, I, I, now when I sit back and look at it, I was very, very green 
and it it was a very eye-opening experience and I I know that my time there helped me become a better record rep and helped me become a better a better person in the business um just just the way of, of like you said the detail detail oriented oriented parts um just and and the work ethic of what it takes yeah get to get that artist to a number one so you guys are held accountable yeah yep. <laughs> and you know even and you're held accountable and then it makes yourself like you, you it's self-accountability too yeah yeah uh, you know, there's a point to where you have to tell yourself, okay, like it's, it's okay now. Like we're good, <laughs> but yeah. Do you remember your first number one? Uh, my first number one was, uh, even if it breaks your heart was my first, the first number one that I worked from start to finish. Cool. And you know, the Eli young man guys, like I developed a relationship with them you know, doing the Southwest because, you know, they were based in Texas and Texas right. was them and stuff. So I, the, they were they were my first number one, the first band I ever took out to radio. Oh, uh, wow. So we, we had like a, we had a, a very good rapport. Um, yeah. I got lost the first time I took them out nice. to radio. So we were running into the station two seconds before they had to go for satellite radio tour for their album launch. So <laughs> I will never, ever forget that. Nor will I ever forget which building KKBQ is in. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so yeah. who all did you work there and, and who were some of your favorites? I won't say, ask you who you didn't like, but who were some of your favorites there? <laughs> yeah, well, the great thing about it is all the artists that I've ever worked with, um, are superior i mean they're they're when you get to this level you have to be you have to be superior you know i i was fortunate enough to work like i said with eli young band the band perry florida georgia line um you know that was that was that was a fun thing to see from day one until you know i ended up leaving Uh, we also had greg bates uh sunny sweeney and you know Martina McBride and you know she is probably one of my favorite people in Nashville you know when I first moved there and we started you know her crew is amazing you know Mark Hively and all those guys and Bull like you know they're they're all just stand-up dudes and and just a great crew and going out on the road with them it's it's like family so um you know it was great working with her and and that team and, and all that so Dude, I started working with her from her very first single at RCA. Yeah. And she was out doing merch and opening for, for Garth Brooks. That's pretty fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great, a great team. And being out on the road with different people, you can all, you, you, you sit back and see little things that other artists take from other artists being on the road. And oh yeah. Ways that, ways that the backstage is ran and stuff so yeah the way that martina used to like to listen to junior brown highway patrol every night before she went on stage yeah <laughs> takes takes shots of tequila and drink wine <laughs> well there's that too yeah. are, are you good at being on the road 
Oh man. <laughs> Sorry, man. You 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 dropped out right there. What'd you say? Oh man, I said I am so great being on the road. <laughs> well, I suppose, is is it harder now with a family, or is, is it? A, it's well, I mean, you're you've been at home for a while, but is it easier because we have FaceTime and Zoom and everything else? Yeah, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I, I think without having FaceTime, I this job would be very tough, especially when you have two young ones growing up. And yeah, I don't know. That that just seems like it would be a lot tougher, but I love being on the road. I, my interactions is where is, is what fuels me and yeah and stuff. Um, so. Well, I know from firsthand you're, you're pretty fun to hang out with. I, I am fun. <laughs> I, I, I try and tell my wife that I, <laughs> I am the funniest <laughs> thing though, uh, about being on the road. Uh, I got the best night's sleep when we had no power and our windows were open and listening to generators in the neighborhood, it put me back in a state of nostalgia. Yeah. Like just listening to generators. And I told my neighbor, he asked me, he was like, Hey, uh, my generator didn't bother you last night. I was like, Oh no, I slept the best I've slept in months because I felt like I was on a bus again Dude, it's like magic fingers i love that yeah everybody that spent exactly. like a, a lot of time like that on a bus man <clears throat> is like i get the, i always got the best sleep of my life on a bus mm-hmm. but, yep well exactly. so you got, you got really close to the eli young guys and you left uh doing promotion mm-hmm. to go to work with them just be at work in day-to-day management with them why did you want to make a yep. change like that and and why did you think you would be good at being at management? Well, so that's a good question. I obviously, like I said, I've always wanted to really dive into the whole world of the music industry. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd had my, my time at Republic and I was just looking for something else. And, um, but George, who's the manager, he and I were talking and he was like, Hey, um, you know, what, what would you think about coming and doing day-to-day for Eli Young? Cause their day-to-day was leaving. I was like, yeah, well, why not? Let's try it. Um, yeah. just to see what, you know, what that was all about. And, um, I, I learned a lot and, you know, it, everything now seems like it, it's just, a learning curves and, and, and yeah. all that. So I had a really great time um, doing the day-to-day thing and, um, and just seeing that part, that part of the industry, you know, that's working. You're basically helping run the careers of, of the artist and, you know, the decisions right. that you make reflect them and, um, and all that. So um, it's just, it, it's a different mindset coming from radio when you have to super serve someone to sitting back and just to make sure that this is right for my client and make sure that everything that you're doing is what they want and what you as a cohesive team feels is the best for their career. Hmm. Did you also feel at 
promotion that, I mean, looking at the inner workings of that company, you probably, without going to another label, you probably didn't have a lot of room to grow. And you'd already taken Baby Axe from nobody knew who you were to number one songs. And so you'd kind of achieved most of your goals maybe as a record promoter? I think you get to a point of that. And for me, it was just, it was personal too that I I just needed a break from Hmm. the 24 seven, 365. Yeah. You know, even though management is still like that, but it's just, it's a different, it was a different gear for me. Um, I, I don't think that it's a whole plateau thing um, because obviously with, with the way that the record industry is, you know, there are ways to, but like I said, for me, it was just a, it was a, um, an environmental change and a, and a, uh, um, a personal just, just needed change. So, so what are the worst, and best parts of record promotion and what are the worst and best parts of management? The worst and best parts of okay, record first. Um, <laughs> I would say the, the, the best part is an artist that you really truly believe in and you fight for their number one and they get their first number one. Yeah. And whatever it takes to get that. And, you know, that's, that's one thing where the whole promotions part of, of that part of that title comes in. Cause nowadays with the, with the, um, with the landscape that we're in, you've got to be so creative and, and so um, forward thinking to where, you have to get out in front of everybody else. Yeah. What ideas do you have that's so outside of the box that no one else has thought of to get someone to see your, um, your record first. So that's, that's, that's my favorite part of it. And then I guess it could also be the worst part because, you know, there's, there's only, (laughs) Right now, there's only there's some stations that's that's only playing you know forty forty five current sentence, current songs, yeah. and there's seventeen thousand songs on the chart <laughs> of like, and you know it's 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 the constant grind of trying to just get that one spin, just get that one spin. That's it, and it's yeah. that. Over time, it, it does become very monotonous and stuff. But um, but again, it's it's our job, and that's why we're hired to to be that squeaky wheel, and you know, to not just mail it in. Yeah. To be the forward thinkers, and you know, that's why we're at the the level that we're at. Right. So what's so, the worst part? Um. <laughs> You don't have to name any names. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I guess some of the, some of the, I wouldn't say entitlement, but just some of the thinking that um, 
some programmers that you have to work with. Yeah. Um, they don't see it as what could be good for their listeners. And they look at it a lot of, of their personal beliefs. Right. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it, that's the tough thing of whenever you hear, well, I don't like it. You don't like it, but does 50,000 people in your metro like it? Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't, when, especially nowadays, whenever you look at um, streaming and you see in a market where the streaming is just blowing up and it's, someone has that closed mindset of, well, it doesn't mean that they listen to my radio station. It may not, but how do you know? You don't right. know. You can, you can put this on and, and come to find out that maybe those 50,000 people do listen to your radio station. Yeah, and also, but, if, if you're the only country station in the market, you're the only place that they're going to hear this, state, this song. Yeah, and, you know, that's one good thing. Or I wouldn't say a good thing, but uh, one thing about the whole pandemic that's with local radio is it's given them the opportunity to step out front hmm. and be the be the champions in their market of how people listen to, you know, new music or get new music and get their news and stuff. So it's, yeah. it's it, we're seeing a little bit easier of stepping away, but you know, it's, it's still, you still have that battle of, well, I don't like it. And that, yeah. that, that was, that's my biggest thing is you haven't given it a chance. So. Right. Yeah. I always love the, uh, you're the only station in the nation not playing it. And it's a uh, top five. Well, it's not our obligation to play your records. And then you'd say, well, it's, you know, it's selling, you know, 2,800 pieces a week in your market. Well, it's not our job to sell records. Like, well, yeah. And then your job. The, the, the favorite thing is when the, the artist comes to the market for, for a show. Hey, can we have 20 tickets? Right. It's not our obligation to give your listener tickets. To, a, to an act that they haven't heard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll give Spotify the tickets for your market. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ouch. That's got a sting. Well, what's the best and worst parts of management? Oh, management. I would, you know, I would say working on an album because hmm. on the management part, you know, you're, you're in there from day one of, hey, you know, we're looking at these songs to record. Right. Having A&R send you songs of like, hey, check these out, get it to the band. You know, it's making that album from start to finish. Once, once it hits street week and once it's done, like if, if everything goes well and you have the number one record for that week, like the satisfaction of, yeah. of that is like no other. I mean, you do want to sleep for a month, but, um, <laughs> but the satisfaction after that was, it's probably a very high mark. So also then uh, with your background, when it's time to go for ads on a single, you know exactly who to call and what to say to the regionals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that that was that was a good thing too um because i spoke the lingo the lingo and and 
you know, it's, you knew when you knew who to press and who not to press and, yeah. um, and all that. So that's cool. What's you the, knew your uh, boundaries. Basically. What's that? You knew your boundaries. Yeah. So. What's the uh, worst part of management? Getting a call at 2 a.m. that your bus is burning down. <laughs> Dude, there was that time when you guys, Randy Hazard, Toby Keith, who, there was somebody else in like two or three months, all these buses burned to the ground and nobody yeah. could figure out what the heck was going on. Yeah, I, uh, we had just flown to Dallas for a meeting and we had our meeting. I had felt like crap all day. So I went home and I went back to the hotel and popped a couple NyQuil and passed out. And my phone kept buzzing and I looked over and it was just uh, some text between uh, tour manager and, and, and the manager and myself. And I thought they were just talking about the meeting. And then all of a sudden I hear my phone ring and I roll over and it's John, the bass player. And he was like, have you been seeing these texts? I'm like, no, what's going on? He's like, the bus is on fire. I was like, oh shit. Okay, let me go look at these. So I went and looked, and I, I thank God that um, there was a truck driving by the bus when it when it went on flames because you know our, the driver at the time um, he had just laid down to go to bed. And he hears somebody banging on the side of the bus and oh, man. You know, woke him up. And, and yeah, it was, uh, it was the, something in the motor just fully engulfed and it burned it. It, it burnt everything up um, from, you know, the trailer with all the lighting and the gear. Oh, yeah. The whole bus pretty much burned to the ground and, you know, but you know, when you work with great people, we were able to have a bus and gear to we we didn't even miss a show so did all the guys get all their i mean like laptops and Levi's off there was i think there was one thing that they were and it was a a a cross neck necklace i think it was mike's cross necklace that had fallen down into the the bay and that was one of the only things that that was salvageable man no but yeah it was it was calls like that are the ones that you really Hate. That make it rough. <laughs> well, so after three years with those guys, you mm-hmm. uh, went on the, the to be the uh, tour activation manager for Blue Chair Bay Rum for Kenny Chesney. What the heck is a tour activation manager? Yeah, sort of fun, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, obviously with, with, uh, blue chair Bay, it's Kenny's rum. Um, yeah. and this was, uh, this was the first year, um, that they were going to take over as title sponsors for his, his tour. Um, and you know, with his tour manager, David Farmer, um, he's, he's one of my mentors and, you know, I've, he has helped me paved the way in my career for many, many years. And, uh, you know, my wife is the head of marketing um, with Blue Chair Bay Rum. They yeah. both were like, hey, we need someone in here that knows what's going on and, and knows the touring side and, and can really um, elevate 
what we're doing over here on the tour. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, it was, you know, the biggest thing was, was um, making sure everyone in that venue tried or sampled or, you know, bought a blue chair Bay rum drink. And yeah. it, it was from basically building an atmosphere of party outside of the, outside of the, the gates and, and bringing it on inside the gate. So. Dude, Amy and I came to a show or two to see you and I, th- I think you achieved that pretty well. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. I wish, uh, I, to this day, I cannot smell pineapple juice and orange juice mixed together because we would part of part of our plan was we helped the venues and we mixed the drinks for them in these five gallon boxes. Okay. And so by the end of the by the end of the um, tour, I think we did like twelve or thirteen hundred cases of rum, oh, and you know each each thing had like five or six bottles of pineapple and orange juice like again smelling pineapple and orange juice it, it still hasn't no i i have like ticks whatever I I, nervous tick yeah so yeah. that they were massive like like how many buses and trucks were out i mean it was like what? uh like 15 or so, like just in Kenny's yeah. world, I think. You know, and then 20, 20 plus trucks. Man. Like it's, it, I think there's like, on a stadium date, it was like three or 400 people work. Man. So it's, it's like, a, it takes, a, what, they, what they say is true, it does take a village, yeah, you know, no doubt. to build that. And, but, you know, Going back to what I said earlier about going to shows in the backstage and seeing things that people take from other tours, yeah, you see a lot of people taking little things from Kenny's tour because you know the way that they do backstage and the way that they run their camp, it, it's a it's it's a masterclass. Yeah. They, you know, the great thing about Farmer, he, you know, he puts the right people in the right positions. And, you know, that, that thing runs like a well-oiled machine. Dude, it's so professional. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's, you know, I took a lot. I learned a lot out there on the road with them from everybody. And, you know, that's one thing about it. And I, I had always heard that his crew was the best and they took care of everybody. You know, you never really, you never really understand it until you're you're hand in hand with them yeah it's it's definitely a true statement so well so when that tour ends i guess your gig ends too huh Mm -hmm. so yeah that did and then we knew he was going on tour the next year um so so um (laughs) hold on hey buddy okay can you go my my brother (laughs) turn off Okay. Can you guys call me? Do you have a She is? Okay. Well, here. Take my phone and watch it. Okay. <laughs> Say hi, Mr. Bart. Hi, Mr. Bart. Hi, buddy. COVID. 
<laughs> I like how he says my brother instead of like using his brother's name. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um, let's see. Replay back to where we were. So the tour uh, ends. The, t- the plan is yes. we're going to go out the next year. Mm-hmm. It's, so we, I knew he was going back next year. And so that was, but it was going to be a shorter tour and stuff. So I, I, I signed on for another six months to do it. Luckily, um, what I had done um, on the road with, with Kenny got back to some people with uh, Old Camp Whiskey. Oh, okay. FDL's Whiskey. And, and I was able to um, jump on the road with them right as literally the day that Kenny ended the next weekend FGL started. So oh, dang. I basically did the same thing with FGL as I did with Kenny kind of developed that whole uh, road program and, and all that stuff. So um, and of course you knew all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was great being on that, but on Kenny's tour this, that second year we did uh, a bus program and basically we hit every, you know, not every liquor store, but going from city to city, we would stop on Sunday, Mondays and Tuesdays before the shows and, and just kind of do like these promotions. And so I was gone pretty much four months straight and it, it took a toll on, on us and, you know, yeah. just not seeing the kids and stuff. But, um, I, uh, I, got a call from Shane because he and I had always been talking about working together, you know, at Sony. And I'd always told him, I was like, it's just not, just not the right time. You yeah. Know, yeah. Climbing is not working out. Like, and so he called me literally the day that we were leaving um, to go back home. And I think I'd had enough of the road life for a little bit. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, like let's, let's kind of, of uh, talk about coming to work with Columbia. And so um, we kind of, kind of got that ball rolling, but I had already made a commitment to FGL and that was, that was my um, one hurdle that we had to go over. And then, you know, luckily uh, I guess I impressed Randy and Steve enough to say, okay, we can, we can let you finish out your commitment because, you know, in our world, you don't want to burn bridges. You don't because yeah. you never know who's going to be your next boss. Yeah. And that's one thing. And, you know, those guys are, are the FGL guys, you know, I've been with them since day one, uh, whenever they signed over the Republic. And I didn't want to do that to them. And yeah. so luckily, you know, the guys at Sony and Columbia were, were, were cool enough to let me, um, finish out with fgl but i um but i was not able to um okay well go help your brother (laughs) sorry dude this is no man that's real life right there man (laughs) this has been our real life for (laughs) the past six months what person it's a buddy what do you need okay (laughs) <laughs> this this was this was our life during uh the hurricane too the internet won't work yes i know son we yes. have no power neither do the lights <laughs> yeah neither do the lights or the refrigerator so don't open it that's right <laughs> but no and so i 
like I said, I was lucky enough to, to finish out, but that was a trying time too, because yeah. uh, they needed somebody to start right then and there. So July 1st, I started with, um, with Columbia as well as doing the FGL thing to the end of August. Oh man. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, I was uh, in the office with, with uh, Sony and then uh, Thursday, I'd get on the bus Wednesday afternoon and go and, and do the Thursday, Friday, Saturday with FGL. So it was, uh, it was a long couple months, but hey, it, it was worth it. But it was Absolutely. fun. So, so what, what is it like now? Uh, it, I mean, it's funny that your sons are doing this. What is it like now? That's exactly how it's like. <laughs> what, you're, what you see is what you get. Like, I will be on a radio call uh, talking to a program director and So yeah, it's, it's, I missed all that's that. That's how it is. No, I was, was going to ask you. I mean, <clears throat> what's it like trying to break an act and work records when you can't take an act to radio and the act can't tour? I mean, it's it's just you on one end of a phone or a Zoom call, and they got the record in their hand. I mean, what what do you do that the other guys aren't doing? Or maybe that, you don't want to say. Well, no, that goes back to the the promotions part of it, man, you know, in this day and age, you've got to be more forward thinking, yeah. um, you know, and a lot of it is, um, <clears throat> you know, we've done a lot of the zoom calls. We've done a lot yeah. of the, the zoom hangs with PDs and the artists and um, you know, we've done Facebook live events and, you know, at the beginning it was, Oh shit, what do we do? Yeah. And there was such an influx of this to where it kind of got, it, it, it kind of got um, oversaturated a lot um, with so many artists doing these Facebook lives and, yeah. and, and all. Um, now I think we've, we've all kind of got the flow of what to do. Now it's just, um, you know, breaking a new single, um, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, with getting, getting the program directors on the same, you know, on the same page of, you know, here's our new single and, and zoom and the, the easeability of zoom is so yeah. easy. Cause you can, you know, we did a, a single setup with Mitchell Tenpenny a couple back in July and, you know, to, have him on it with the PDs. He plays acoustic, and then right then and there, I can play the produced versions for everybody to hear. Right. You know, it's 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 so easy to do that, but you do miss the camaraderie of artist and programmer and yeah. person. Um, I was playing a we were we were doing some online poker the other night with with a bunch of, of, of music people not just country but uh other genres as well and that question kind of came up is you know why do you guys like country like to the to the programmers and uh their their answer was um the personability of of the artist and 
everyone around them, the, yeah. the record people, the PDs. It's, that's one thing I loved about country. Uh, I worked in the, the pop and all that other stuff, but the accessibility that the country artists have with the people that steer their careers and help their careers, like the, the radio people and the radio programmers, it's, it's, it's not like any other industry. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, that is one reason why radio champions artists in country hmm. and not just songs. That's so. interesting. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. You remember when Nelly and FGL were out together mm-hmm. and there was so much camaraderie and stuff backstage. And I just learned this not too long ago from Tracker. He said that Nelly's manager called him and said, I just wanted to tell you thanks for that tour because that's the best tour we've ever been on. There was so much camaraderie and anybody would do anything for anybody. And it was so much fun and so much easy. And not everybody was trying to out cool everybody else. And he said, I just wanted to say thank you for that. It was like, that says a lot for our whole format, man. And it, it, and you see that everywhere. And that's the whole thing is like, why make it difficult for other people? (laughs) Why make it so difficult to where people are like, uh, F like, why do I have to go to this? Why do I have to go again to the backstage? And it's whatever, whatever. It's just, whenever it feels like a family, it's, it, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. So (laughs) that's, yeah, that, that, that's the biggest thing of, of why why I do what I do is just the people are awesome. So, so why Alabama? Oh, uh, Gulf Coast. <laughs> <laughs> why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not going to preach. No offense, Marquis, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, when the pandemic started. Uh, my in-laws lived down here, and um, our house kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller with just not so much to do around Nashville. So, you know, we came down here and we ended up being able to go to like to the beach every day and, and let yeah. the kids just run, run around and stuff. So um, being a little closer to family and, you know, that, that, that all kind of played into it. And we always wanted to move down here. Um, yeah. We actually got married in front of the floor of Bama. We had a shot going in and a shot leaving. So, um, you know. Getting, I remember you guys got married down there. Yeah, in front of the Redneck Riviera. So, That's but awesome. that, I mean, we love it here. We, we love it. And it's miss Nashville a little bit, but. Yeah. The, and the traffic, you know, traffic is a lot easier. Here. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't go to Nashville from where we live very often. Oh, man. It, on a on a Saturday or Sunday, it would take us twenty five to thirty minutes. On a Monday through Friday, it was like an hour to an hour and a half. So, Dude, it's yeah. yeah, it's insane. Um, so are you guys actually down on the coast then? No, we uh, we live in a little town called Fairhope, uh, okay. which is right outside of. It's we're like thirty five minutes away from from Gulf Coast. Oh, okay. From, from Orange Beach, so from Orange Beach, cool. Yep. Well, man, you want to uh, you want to do my lightning round? Sure. This is just a lightning. 
Lightning. This is just a quick ask you a question. You pop okay. out an answer or you whatever. Right. What's your favorite book? Uh, the Street Lawyer, John Grisham. Oh, yeah, I like that. Are you a bath or a shower guy? Oh, shower. <laughs> What's totally. the last? <laughs> what? <laughs> totally shower. What's the last gift you gave someone? Oh, uh, anniversary gift for my wife. Um, an anniversary ring. Nice. Yeah. How many years have you guys been married? Five. Five is it five? That's great. Yeah. Okay, you said your first concert was Randy Travis. How old were you and did you get a t-shirt? I was five years old, did not get a t-shirt, and got a handkerchief. <laughs> Randy Travis handkerchief. A little bandana. Oh uh, yes. I Randy Travis, like I I remember singing Digging Up Bones in, in oh, 1982 man. back in the day, yeah. so do you collect anything? Um, I do not. All I right. do not. I, I'm, I, I need a hobby. If you, if you have any ideas, let me know. I need a hobby. <laughs> Can you restring guitars? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think of something else. I, I'll, I'll show you my, uh, my kids' like, little ukulele <laughs> that still doesn't have strings on it. Well, through the pandemic, what's been you guys' favorite TV show to binge? Below Deck Mediterranean. That's what we watched that every Monday night. That's what we watched. But binging, I, I always binge. It doesn't matter if it's a pandemic or not, but I always binge once a year, The Office. Nice. nice. Always, I have to do it. I have to do it. That's good. That's it. That's so, like, uh, what's your favorite song? Um, probably Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Like, nice. I was asked that a, a, a few years ago, and that's probably my favorite song of all time, Sitting cool. on the Dock of the Bay. What are you listening to for fun these days? Work stuff. <laughs> <laughs> lots, of, lots, of, lots of work stuff. Um, you know, there's... There's a couple new art. I mean, not even my, like this new guy, Larry Fleet, he is freaking amazing. Um, you know, and obviously Luke, Luke Holmes, he's one of my guys, but yeah. all of his, his music speaks to me. Like right. if you can write my story in songs, like that's it. Like, yeah. I, and I think that's why he is so, he is doing what he's doing right now. Yeah. He's uh, kind of the every man, but he's really good. Yeah. 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 So that, um, and a lot of of uh, Disney tunes. Um, <laughs> the kids kind of like take over my uh, my cell phone and my iPod. Or, I don't, yeah, my cell phone because I can't. I don't have an iPod. I don't even want to try and be cool. But um, <laughs> yeah, Disney. Yep. Hey, cars, kids. cars mainly. Nice. That's yeah. better than like Little Mermaid or something. Yeah. So Brad Paisley, you're welcome for all the streams I'm giving you on your <laughs> on your cars. <laughs> Well, what's next for you, man, outside of more just riding it out? Um, this, I, you know, just, I'm kind of ready to get back on the road, but yeah. it's just obviously time and when the right time is and um, just getting, just, just 
putting together the best promotions I can for my artist and being a dad. Yeah. That's really, that's two of the hardest things right now. Yeah, that's pretty important too. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, obviously everybody's going through things, but you know, we're, we're all here and happy and healthy and it's awesome. We're in a new city and yeah, that's it. As long as you can stay out of the hurricanes way, you're all good to go. Hopefully the hurricane seasons are done, but we got our generator. So we're ready to go for the next (laughs) one. Nice. Uh, Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. I had so much fun with you on the road and you were showing me the FGL ropes and stuff. So uh, I really, I really appreciate you and I'm happy for you that you're happy. And, uh, Say hey to your wife, man. I will, man. Appreciate everything, and this was fun. Good catching up. You too, man. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.